Please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors. We discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm John Haley. And I'm Jessica Toon. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. The information, forms, and laws referenced in this episode are accurate as of the date this episode is first released. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hi, John. Hey, Jessica. It's us again. It is. We're back again. Back again. Guess who's back? Back again. It's us. It's us. That's us. It's us. That's for you millennials out there. Yes, yes. Yeah, today, John, we're going to talk about post-settlement occupancy. You may also know it as a rent back. I, I do also know it as a rent back. But, no. not, but not personally. Not personally, but I am understanding. Familiar with the term. And by understanding, I mean, we talked about two minutes ago that sure. you are familiar with the concept. I am, yeah. For I've, I've owned two properties in Virginia, and in both instances, somebody has done a rent back. Because as we'll discuss, they can be quite useful. They can be. And, you know, worth, worth the while of both one or both parties. So, oh. listeners, you know that I am no expert on this, but I'm just going to wing it and, you know, hope that everything works out. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. So, post-settlement occupancy happens when the seller stays in the property after settlement for a certain amount of time, usually until the new property they are purchasing also goes through settlement. It can be a negotiating point, as I just mentioned, and can sometimes benefit both parties. Like For example, if the buyer is renting and the lease isn't up yet, it might be good timing for them to stay where they are. And the seller then doesn't have to move out and find temporary lodging until the new property is ready. But as helpful as it can be by loosening up a tight timeline, there are legal things your clients should consider before entering into such an agreement. And I think it goes without saying you do need a written agreement for this. Vieira has a possession by seller agreement, which is Form 1000B, and it covers most of the things we will talk about here today. So first things first. If you represent the seller who will be possessing the property after settlement, make sure they know that after settlement, the property is no longer legally theirs, and they will now be not an owner, but instead an occupant who's only retained possession for a certain period of time. And that period of time must be very specific and included in the agreement, along with the occupancy fee the seller will pay. That fee may be a certain amount per day, a flat fee for the occupancy term, or it could be the purchaser's actual ownership costs per day to include mortgage principal and interest, taxes, insurance, and POA dues. This can be calculated by the settlement agent at the time of settlement. The agreement should also include information on what happens if the seller vacates early or vacates late, including applicable refunds or fees. One of the biggest issues to think about here is insurance coverage. Both parties should talk to their insurance providers about the situation and request guidance on how to handle this. The burden is generally on the purchaser to cover the property from risk or loss from damage from an outside force like storm damage. The seller maintaining possession, however, wants to be sure their belongings are covered. They should speak with their agent to determine how to best do that, perhaps, for example, through renter's insurance. Now, who pays utilities? That's a question that should be answered by the agreement, and usually that falls on the seller, as they're the ones who will be using the utilities. Right. And the seller also should agree to maintain the property in the condition it was at the time of settlement, and they should be responsible for any damage caused during the occupancy period. Whether the purchaser has access to the property after settlement should also be discussed and agreed to. The VAR form language states that the purchaser shall have the right to access at reasonable times for specific purposes, including inspection and any necessary maintenance. I know it's tempting to think of this as a landlord-tenant situation, but we should let you guys know that what the purchaser is not, repeat, not, is a landlord. 
and such an agreement is not intended to be something that falls under the Virginia Residential Landlord and Tenant Act and is, in fact, explicitly excluded from the VRLTA. Finally, such an agreement to have the seller remain in the property after settlement may affect the purchaser's mortgage terms. That's important. For example, if the mortgage terms require that the purchaser occupy the property after settlement, they should discuss this with their mortgage provider to ensure such an agreement does not violate those terms. Jessica? Yes, John? Let's say we take a trip to Legal Hotline Town. Ooh, all right then. I represented the seller in a transaction that has already closed. The buyer and seller agreed to a post-settlement occupancy. When the seller moved out, buyer discovered an issue with the hardwood floor. It had been covered by a rug and furniture when the buyers inspected the property and they did their pre-settlement walkthrough. Seller said it was that way when they bought the house and they just kind of forgot about it. Sellers have moved out and want their post-settlement occupancy deposit returned. The buyer is refusing, wants the floors to be repaired, and now claims it was a material defect that was not disclosed. What do we do? Well, these situations can be tricky because the deal has already closed. It also shows one of the risks with post-settlement occupancy, that the buyer may find something they don't like after the occupancy ends, and that the seller may now have a deposit subject to the buyer's concerns. However, if the issue existed before settlement, the sellers have no affirmative disclosure obligations, and buyer did have the opportunity for inspections. As it's a contract dispute, you should recommend that the sellers speak with an attorney regarding receiving that deposit back. John. Yes. My client is the buyer of a property where the seller will be occupying the premises post-settlement. The buyer and seller have completed the post-settlement occupancy agreement, and settlement has happened. Do I still have an agency relationship with my client, the buyer, until the seller's occupancy ends? Great question, Jessica. And by that, I mean great question to Thanks. whichever one of you out there who asked it originally. This depends on the terms of your brokerage agreement. If the agreement says you will assist the buyer with complying with all terms of the contract, this will likely include the post-settlement occupancy agreement. In that case, you would still have an agency relationship and duties to your client. Once a post-settlement occupancy agreement comes into play, you want to look at the brokerage agreement and amend it as necessary to cover what you will and what you won't be helping your client with after settlement. All right, let's, let's talk about limiting your risk. Know at the beginning whether a post-settlement occupancy may be needed or beneficial to your client. For example, if your client is currently a renter, discuss whether they think they would benefit from additional time to wrap up their lease obligations. You can potentially use this as a negotiating advantage for certain properties. If your client is doing a post-settlement occupancy, read through the possession of seller agreement with them. Highlight the things that they should know, their responsibilities, and the things they may need to do, like contacting their insurance and mortgage companies. Discuss any concerns they may have about risks, like the buyer not seeing the property empty before closing or the seller having to make a deposit. And the deal will not necessarily be done for you at settlement, depending on your brokerage agreement's language. Continue serving your client until the occupancy agreement ends. Thanks for joining us. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through the iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes, and please rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline, where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the Legal tab on the Four Members section. Make sure you're logged in to see this page. Thanks. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. 
The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damage resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2020. This podcast features the song Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.